Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the master of ceremonies, and I have a gift for everybody. <laughs> so over Christmas break, and we were planning on putting this out earlier, um, and I was also planning on doing more of them, but uh, I was busy. So I took a trip to the Shutter Store, <laughs> uh, the Shutter streaming service that uh, it's full of oodles of good shit. Like I mean, we could. We could sit here and we talk, could talk about, about Shudder for hours. We could talk about what's on Shudder, but like, what isn't on Shudder is the better question. Yes. But what is on Shudder, aside from thousands of movies, was a few choice cuts that I had uh, I had picked out when I had first got uh, when I first signed up for Shudder. So I added a bunch of Shudder originals um, and movies that I feel like I couldn't find anywhere else but on Shudder. Mm-hmm. And I put them all on my watch list, and I tried watching through all of them. And I, we had talked about that it was going to be my duty over break to watch them and give little, like, it, like immediate audio feedback yeah, like on all of them. first impressions. Yes. Now, the idea for this initially came from Ed Larson, <laughs> uh, a favorite podcast and comedian uh, of mine. And uh, he famously, on his show, The Brighter Side, uh, got really stoned and uh, just filled everybody in with what was happening to him in L.A., and he got so high that he decided that he was just going to go on a whole diatribe about how good It Follows was. And I'm like, if Ed Larson can get stoned and talk (laughs) about the good parts of horror movies, but, like, with enough intrigue that you just want to see more of it, like a a square horror but minimized to, like, seven minutes, Mm -hmm. then I can surely do that. So I said, hey, Danny... Would you be all right if I sent you a bunch of these little audio diaries? And we only have five, so it's not a huge uh, mix of uh, everything. But mm-hmm. what we are going to do is um, we're going to be talking about them. Well, we're going to play them, first of all. We're going to put yes. them in the episode, and uh, then we're going to check back in with us at home base in present day. Uh, and then and, we're gonna, what we're th- yeah. and what we think Matt was thinking. Well, I, okay, listen. <laughs> For the record, yes, I was high or drunk. However, it was like a comfortable get in the zone okay. to watch a movie kind of like it kind of cleared my mind to like like a, like it's the um the sorbet they give you before the, the main course. Yeah, the palate cleanser. Yeah. <laughs> um before I got into it. And I okay. honestly think that that heightened my awareness to like cuz I'm watching a lot of these I was watching a lot of these movies in one sitting or like over a weekend or two. Um, cause my whole family was sick with COVID. So I was yep. trying to find stuff to do. So we're going to take you through each of these movies and then do a little talk back afterwards. Cause I want to get your responses to these. Cause you haven't heard these. I yet. haven't heard I haven't listened to any of these. Perfect. Perfect. I wanted to come in this clean with a fair shot. Yes. All right. Um, so this is me bone sober <laughs> now and me not a couple of months ago. So the, well, the movies we're going to be covering, that I covered, <laughs> yeah. um, are going to be uh, A Nun's Curse, uh, St. Maud, After Midnight, and Blood Quantum. All of those are still available on Shudder, I believe. VFW? Oh, VFW. I forgot about that one. Number five. Five or five, yes. I got you. That one's definitely the one I watched last. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So all of these movies are available on Shudder. I believe After Midnight is also available on just Prime Video straight up. Okay. And uh, they're all very good. The rule I asked, I, I had for myself was I wasn't going to record anything if I didn't like it. 
and that was the case at least twice. So these were the the these good, were the good ones. These were the good ones. The good eggs, if you will. Yeah, and uh, I guess it's not even to say that the other ones were bad eggs. I just didn't find them interesting enough to talk about okay. afterwards. That makes it sound mean too. They were good. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, just, that, that was okay, pretty much yeah. it. I was like, yeah, give it, a, give a, give it a watch. Um, because I wasn't actually having to write anything down for mm-hmm. it. It was more just like my initial reactions, and this like there was one. I'm just straight up like. Nah, fuck this one. Yeah. Uh, so without further ado, uh, here is A Nun's Curse. Good evening, boys and ghouls. It's the master of ceremonies flying solo for this venture as I take you footstep by footstep into the spooky world of Shudder. Shudder, if you don't know, is a premium channel on uh, Amazon Prime Video. It's essentially the horror Netflix in that it has a collection of a bunch of stuff, old and new, obscure and popular, and a plethora of original content um, that I definitely am going to be getting into here. But this first one, this first chilling tale I have for you, the first brief, quick little shudder, pun intended. I'm very tired. Um, I'm going to talk to you about the nun's curse, or a nun's curse. Alright, it came out last year, 2020. (sighs) Yeah, it's weird to think that... um, a lot of movies didn't come out last year. Some, it's a weird reason, and we're gonna look back on it and be like, "Wow, there's, it's a black hole of time where movies didn't come out in theaters or like, get made. What's all that about?" But um, despite the best efforts of a certain virus, a group of intrepid filmmakers ventured out into the woods of um what seemed like any any sort of local woods that's got a spooky ruin in it. As a matter of fact, I'll get into it in a bit, but it sounds... It, it, the movie reminds me a lot of, um... Oh God, that scary camp that we, like, broke into. Oh, actually, not... We didn't break in anywhere. I promise we haven't broken any laws. Um, but that, like, spooky wall place. You know, where we thought we saw a ghost... I talked to a ghost. I don't know if um, we've ever mentioned that on the the show before, but I talked to a ghost. It's pretty cool, pretty awesome. All right, where was I? Oh, yes, A Nun's Curse. This movie is noteworthy because it's got a nun in it, and nuns are scary, especially um, when they got curses. (laughs) I don't even know what this fucking (laughs) review is going to be. But let's fucking strap ourselves in. I've only got a couple of notes, I promise. I won't prattle on for too long. So, the nun, the nun in The Nun's Curse, uh, is played by Felissa Rose, who is a pretty, pretty prolific star in the world of horror. She's in Sleepaway Camp, and uh, from what I know of her, is a real nice lady. I'd love to meet her one day. Um, she's a nun, and, uh, she's a, she's a, she's a bad, 
bad nun. She kills prisoners in a prison that she works at. Because I guess prisons uh, recruit from convents. <sighs> it's a bad idea for that prison to recruit nuns. They're already scary enough as it is. Maybe guards weren't working. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should, uh, that'll fix incarceration problems and, uh, you know, prisoners won't want to go back to prison. Because like, nah, man, there's fucking nuns in there, dude. They're brutal. All the sisters, you know. This country has decidedly fallen out of fear for, uh, elderly white women. And I think that that fear should be reestablished. They are scary sometimes. Especially when they carry around a uh, knife, cane sword, in a crucifix, like um, this nun does, Sister Monday. That sounds like a joke. That's not a joke. Her name is actually Sister Monday, which is uh, funny to me. I really wouldn't be afraid of a Sister Monday. I'd be afraid of a Sister Thursday before a Sister Monday. I think the least scary one, though, would be a Sister Sunday, because that just... The alliteration is too funny. Maybe just for me. So the sets in this movie are uh, fucking pretty cool. The whole play, the whole movie seems like it was shot on location in like just ruins in a forest, uh, namely this like abandoned jail. I don't know what the actual building used to be, but in the movie it's supposed to be a jail. And there's a lot of really spooky like prison doors and there's like uh, scary hallways everywhere you look that's like urban explorer you know fucking attractant like a like a bug trap like an ant trap you just bring them there with thought like you know promises of cool pictures and you know making out with their girlfriend but uh then a nun kills them and one of those unfortunate souls who brings their girlfriend there to make out is played by none other than Square Horror's own uh fucking idol on the show, repeat favorite I will say, uh, Damien Maffei who, um, if y'all don't know, he was uh, in The Stranger's Prey at Night legendary, legendary uh, mass murder in that movie um he, uh, he was in the remake of Wrong Turn, which we've said on the show has uh, caused me great trauma. Uh, when I watched it, um, stoned out of my fucking tree. Really was not ready for the amplitude of that movie. Um, he's also been in uh, Haunt, which we've also covered, uh, and is fucking great. Go listen to that episode. So Damien Maffei rules. In this movie. I don't know if you guys know this, but Damien Maffei is, first of all, very handsome. He's very charming, and he's got a cool voice. He, uh, he's informed me that, uh, because I sent him a message after I watched this movie, and I was like, hey, this movie is fucking great. You did great. Stole the show with your charm <sighs> and your, uh, fucking heroic ways. But, uh, he decided to, uh, inform me that. He had improvised most of his dialogue, except for um, a certain line that he told me he was contractually obligated to say, which uh, is the best, most funniest line in the movie. He makes effective use of the uh, bofades 
uh, trap. If you're familiar with um, modern meme culture, it's uh, funny because uh, both of these prompt someone to say both of these what or who or you know some other query, and then you you pounce on them with a both of these nuts. Um, and uh, regardless of gender, make uh, flagrant gestures towards um, the pelvis. So anyway, this movie is short. It's only about, it's under an hour. Um, and Damien Maffei is in most of it. Uh, the rest of the cast also is extremely funny. <laughs> There's just so many jokes throughout that I just... The chemistry is so funny. It makes me laugh. Um... I guess I just want to talk about two more scenes, uh, or actually three more scenes. One of which being the aforementioned crucifix, uh, cane sword, is used by Sister Monday to uh, kill a prisoner. Back in the day, we see in a flashback, and she, um, much like uh, an anime swordsmith, sword swords person, uh is able to somehow cut open the throat of the prisoner in front of her, and we all we see her is all we see her do is put the knife back in the sheath. It's the bottom of the cross. And then we just see this blood shoot out of this guy's throat, and I'm like, oh shit, Sister Monday is a fucking shogun, man. The fuck? And Felissa Rose uh, did that, and I thought it was pretty cool. So uh, I wonder if she uh, watched a lot of anime to get uh, prepared for her role. You guys should see it, it's pretty awesome. Speaking of anime, if you guys haven't seen uh, Star Wars Visions, um it's pretty it's well it's 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 good, man. It's it, if you like anime it's real good. Um the first one's real awesome. Super, super samurai anime. Uh that leads me to my second scene, uh, which regards Mr. Buffet. Um I hate to spoil spoiler alert. From here on out, I guess. Spoiler alerts. Uh, my man gets uh, stabbed in the junk. He presents his uh, his phallus to the nun. And she stabs him. Stabs him right in the cock. Kills him. Kills him dead. Big, big sad. You know, this movie decided that it was going to have a really good twist in it, too. Now again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna full on ruin it, but I will tell you for those in the know that uh, it was very reminiscent of uh, the Emptiness, an album by Alice Santa, which is a band. Um, it's a concept album. It's inspired by Edgar Allan Poe, and there's a really good twist at the end, you know, where they switch perspectives of the narrator, and you see stuff from different perspectives. Like, oh shit, everything's different. This movie ends very similar. And honestly, didn't see it coming. Very impressed that the ending surprised me like that. Uh, all in all, I would give A Nun's Curse uh, one shaded Damien Maffei um, and uh, a fucking Shonen Jump anime starring Felissa Rose out of ten. So for the record, um, 
I think that in all in all, the Damien Maffei factor was like the big, big attractant. It was very funny. Like the mm-hmm. movie was obviously not a very high budget. Um, but yeah, it like did short. Well, it yeah, like... it, it was like 50 minutes, but it's one of those movies like Funhouse Massacre where like the mm-hmm. big draw was that they got Felissa Rose in it. Okay. Like she's in it for maybe like three minutes, but that was like but the she's big. The, she's the advertisement. Yeah, that was like the big draw. But okay, as I so eloquently stated, Damien Maffei does do a both of these nuts. Um, Felissa Rose does have a samurai sword like cane sword and a crucifix. And um, Star Wars Visions is actually very good. I want to know <laughs> more about why you think Sister Sunday would be such a shitty name compared to Sister Monday. Si- there's two S's. Alliteration isn't scary to me. Okay. It's a little goo. It, it sounds like she's a cartoon character. It sounds like it's like a nun against Garfield. Exactly. <laughs> Sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, what? <laughs> Let me hear from you about this. <laughs> so, I'm very intrigued by the little I know about this movie. <laughs> but but it sounds like it was a great time. I mean, it was. It wasn't too long, and the... I mean, I enjoyed it. The ending di- was actually very cool. The twist was something I didn't see coming at all. Um, and it came out of... A, like, I thought this movie was going to kind of just end up like the gallows mm-hmm. where it was going to just be like eh. and now it's over like it's just mm-hmm. all of a sudden done yeah and it was leaning towards that and then it like pulled the rug out and i'm like wait oh shit like that okay. was pretty cool actually and it was something i had no idea was coming okay um so nice. that in itself was was very cool um, <laughs> so yeah yeah i haven't heard these in a while either. yeah so I don't. I'm trying to put myself back in that headspace of of where I was and what I was thinking, um, and it was very. I guess it's very free association stream of consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next one is uh, After Midnight. Uh, uh, Saint Maud. Saint Maud. Sorry, I don't even know. It's all good. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, so the next one's Saint Maud, which is a uh, A24 horror oh, movie. Okay. Um, I'm probably I'll probably get into it in the fucking breakdown of it because I did look up a little bit about it because I wanted to make sure I had all my facts straight. Okay. But it looks like it was a first time writer director who came in with this idea. The lead actress in it is phenomenal. It's like on par with Midsummer in terms of like a whole spectrum of like psychological exploration in terms of like as an actress. Like, the type of person you're playing is probably not one you would ever meet. Mm-hmm. So that in itself was alluring enough. And then all of the imagery that came in came in with it was also very, very cool. And, of course, A24. So it's stylish. Yeah. You know, it's freaky. Um, it's going to mess with your head a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I don't remember the end off the top of my head. So I don't know if it has a classic A24, like, balls-to-the-wall, like, ending. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to, we'll have to see. <laughs> So, I just finished watching my next project. Uh, it's called Saint Maud. Came out last year. It's an A twenty four movie. So uh, that should tell you right away <laughs> the type of shit you're in for. Um. Ah, uh, I really liked this movie. It was fucking. 
I just it was put together great, and it was never scary. Like even by a a twenty four standards, it wasn't really all that fucked up. Or I mean, it was fucked up. Um, but I mean, comparatively, I, I mean, I guess if you, if you were to put all the A twenty four movies, if they were all to get sent to the principal's office, if they were all in school, okay, and and you were the 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 mom that got called out of her work at the at work, and you got called down to the principal's office because all your creepy little A twenty four children were in the principal's office. And you were like, all right, you know, you know, like you're you're already thinking like how how much money am I gonna have to to pay? You know, how many years of therapy am I gonna have to pay for somebody, somebody's child or some some adult, some poor adult, uh, to have, um, because I had to deal with these kids. Uh, you're thinking like you know, is it is it you know, is it midsummer? You know, because if midsummer got sent to the principal's office, I'm fucked. You know, my whole bank account's fucked, you know, everyone's fucked. Alright? It was hereditary. You know what? You might as well just burn the whole fucking school down. You might as well just disown the child and change your name like all of Jeffrey Dahmer's family did. You know, that's that's that sort of thing. So there's those. There's those movies. And then there's then there's Saint Maud. And Saint Maud is like She got sent to the principal's office for like being out of uniform. And you're like, that sounds like it could be vaguely ominous, or it could just be pretty run-of-the-mill. And, you know, I I don't know which one it was. I don't think it was fucked up, and I don't think that it was, like, a boring. Like, this is going to be very obscure, but this is just me talking, talking this movie out. This movie could have been a You Were Never Really Here, or it could have been a house that Jack built. That means nothing. But essentially that means it could have been, like, boring to the point of it being bad, because you're like, I think something bad's happening, but, like, nothing is happening to make me think that. Or it could be the house of Jack built, and it's like, oh, there's just a bunch of horrible, fucked up shit happening constantly, and it's even worse than I think it's going to be, like, the thing. Uh, you know what? This would make a lot more sense if I just told you about this movie. I should just get into this. I've spent three and a half minutes just kind of sussing out how this movie made me feel. But it's an A24 movie. You could talk for hours about how those movies make people feel. So Saint Maud was very noteworthy because it's a the project of a first-time writer-director. It's just making me very jealous. But um, she did fucking amazing. This movie is written very well. This movie's directed very well. Very, it's very A twenty-four in that it's shot very artistically. There's a lot of cool theme stuff you can look for. You know, if you're a film nerd, you're going to boner over this, and it'll be awesome. So, I mean, there's that. Uh, I think that it was a super religious psychology film. That's what I'll say. So we're following Maud, who is a very recent born-again Christian, uh, after she's had some fucked-up experiences happen to her. 
um, and she's not taking it well. Uh, she has thrown herself 210% into religion. However, unlike other movies where they could have like a, a, a very religious character and the, the religion is the impetus for their problematic behavior, like a black, not, I keep saying black mass. I keep wanting to, to call midnight mass black mass because black mass sounds really cool and metal and midnight mass is cool and metal but it's also very sad and very, like, touchy-feely and nice. So it could be, like, the church lady from Midnight Mass where, like, you just want to, like, strangle her with a rosary. But, like, the way Maud has religious predilections and experiences are um, odd and very different than the conventional Christians. Um, just two off the bat. Um, actually, yeah. God gives her orgasms. That's all I'll say about that thing. Um, and uh, she also has a very strange view of, because she's a very recent Christian and she kind of lacks a lot of the, like, dogma i guess is the word for it she kind of has like create it seems like she's created a lot of the interpretations and iconog interpretations of iconography for herself she gets to look at pictures like religious images um that she gets and, and she makes new uh associations especially when they consider amanda who is Maud's um, client? Now Maud is a private live-in, like hospice carer. She's not a nurse. Well, she is a nurse, but she also like cooks and like helps around that. She just helps do daily activities for this woman Amanda, who is a. Uh, she used to be a very famous dancer, but now she's dying of cancer. It's never explicitly, really come out and said, but I'm I'm like ninety nine percent sure it was cancer. Um. And Maud then becomes obsessed and fixated on, like, saving Amanda's immortal soul um, from a life of frivolous debauchery that she has, you know, left is leaving behind. Um, and uh, Maud feels very attached to this because she used to live a very similar problematic quote-unquote lifestyle now where this gets very interesting is that uh mod is fucking very clinically mentally ill so um i don't really want to say big twists about this movie because i feel like people should see it it's not a super super long movie and it's not as fucked up as like hereditary or midsummer with a lighthouse, as I've been told. Again, I've not seen it. I know I'm a failure as a man and a host and as a fan. But it is on my list, and I will be trying to get to it someday. However, this movie has... Like, you could look at it from two lenses, like every other movie. Uh, A24 movie, you could look at it as... It's all an allegory, and it's all being, like, you're seeing this movie as through the eyes of the individual who is, the movie is focusing on, in this case, Maud. 
kind of like American Psycho, where everything you're seeing is like how Patrick Bateman like is fantasizing or would explain to you secondhand. So it's unreliable narration. But instead of a yuppie chauvinist prick, it's a very mentally broken, very isolated young woman who has found, unfortunately, the worst like thing to associate her mental illness on, which is religion. And I can tell you that that never ends well. Uh, kind of like this breakdown is going to end. Um, not very well. <laughs> oh my god! All right, the ending is just impeccable. Really, thank you. Really nailed it. Clearly, there. I I had a lot of foresight when I did all of these. <laughs> all right. Um, did any of what I said make any sense to you? I think so because it like kind of contradicted the fact that I thought this was just gonna be like kind of a nun ripoff. No, that was what I thought too. I remember seeing the trailer for this um in the theater. I don't remember what it was. But I saw it was A24, I saw there there was, like, Christian imagery, and I'm like, I am in. Whatever you're going to do with this is going to be very, very interesting. And as it went on, it was kind of interesting, because, like, with most A24 movies, with the exception of Hereditary, Mm -hmm. you kind of know what's going to happen, like, in terms of what it's building towards. Towards, Um, Hereditary, uh, it took me a couple times... of watches to get that but the first time i saw it i'm like this is going in 12 different directions mm-hmm. this one was cool because it's so obviously a woman who is sick um like there is no ghost magic supernatural elements in this movie maud thinks there is so it's just up why i mean oh, like patrick okay. bateman it's up to you to believe if she is actually seeing and and actually legitimate with or the not. thing she's thinking okay um there was a really fucking awesome scene in it where she like disassociates from her like she gets fired at one point mm-hmm. and like regresses to where she was like two years or whatever before she she found christ she had like a really bad suicide attempt oh, shit. and then she like turned it all the way around sort of um okay. but she regresses in this period and when she does that it takes on this like dissociated like angle mm-hmm. and then when she comes back to like in the driver's seat of her head something else has taken over so that's why i'm like it's this slow build of associating different parts of religion with like her mental illness like whether or not she has schizophrenia really isn't said Mm -hmm. but because she has some sort of like delusions she associates them with any evidence that she finds in her environment so the fact that amanda lived this bad life, quote-unquote. Like, she was, like, gay, she drank a lot, she did drugs, she wasn't a very moral person. Mm -hmm. So she gets all of these weird hang-ups on, like, well, that's why you're sick and this is why you're dying. And Amanda's, like, it's kind of... She thinks it's kind of cute at first Mm -hmm. that she's, like, clinically insane. And then it's slowly, like, oh, wait, no, you're, like, very ill and dangerous. So that element, like, it's... 
It's a, it's a horror movie, but not really a horror movie. You know, like is, this, it, is it more like a suspense thriller type thing? Yeah, a lot more. Like, okay. it's not very graphic. There's not that I can think of off the top of my head of gore or anything. It's not like, again, like a hereditary where it's like, it's a fines thriller, and then there's like intense photorealistic violence. And then it goes back, and it's like, yeah, that was fine, right? Okay. I don't know. I, like,. This one really felt different mm-hmm. from the other A24, or even just, what do they call it, elevated horror? Yeah, that's what Scream called it. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt different because it didn't feel like it was trying to be smarter than anybody. It was mm-hmm. just like, this is a very raw, like, scatterbrained narrative okay. that we're just showing you all of from, like, a third-eye view, so you're like... Wow, she she's a mess. Exactly. Okay. You see every angle of it, both from her perspective, from other people's perspective, and it just is like, she's a mess. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting to watch, like a car accident. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Where you just can't look away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's next on the docket? Uh, next up, we have After Midnight. Oh, my God. This one was so good. Okay. I remember this one the most, so this one will probably be the most coherent, but... Please go see this. Like, if you can at all, if you have Shudder, if you can get a free trial, um, if it's on Prime, go check. Watch After Midnight. It is amazing. It's such a good fucking movie. And it's only, like, 2% a horror movie. So, like, forget about that entirely. It's an amazing, like, sad, melancholy romance narrative. And there's a monster in it. Oh, I'm so excited to yeah, hear about man. this. Alrighty. Every single person needs to stop what they are doing currently. Shut off the podcast fucking right now and watch After Midnight. It's a Shutter exclusive. Just get the free trial. It's like a five-day thing. And just, if nothing else, watch this. Please. <laughs> After Midnight was a fucking amazing, amazing time. Oh, I wouldn't even call it a horror movie. Straight up, it's not. Gonna say that right now. Oh, fuck. Alright, imagine the last five years, but make it horror. A man has been left alone by his wife to contend with some kind of creature. Prowling outside of his house. But it's only secondary. I mean, is it a metaphor? Probably. Um, when I wrote that line, I was uh, I was unaware of uh, what it was. But um, yeah, totally is a metaphor. Metaphor that totally made me cry. Very, very good stuff. Um, fuck, man, it's amazing. I'm going to just go down this list of shit that I just jotted down. Holy crap. At first I thought this was more a movie that's like, man, I miss my wife. She knows how to handle shit. But like, you know, I, I wasn't sure. Because this movie begins, it just throws you right in, right into the shit. You go from being thrown into these characters without introduction. Uh, you know, you get to know them real well, more or less, emotionally at least, you know at least that they're in love with each other, and then it's a hard cut to this man, the same guy, sleeping on a couch in front of the door to his house, so it has barricaded it, 
and uh, there's screaming and hollering from some kind of monster outside, and he shoots it. But that's it. You, you don't see what it is. And the following morning, you just see outside, there's all this, you know, there's scratches all over the door. So you know there's something out there. That's what makes it a horror movie. Literally just this monster is the only thing that makes this movie a horror movie. Otherwise, it's legitimately just like a better last five years. And I say better because it doesn't make me feel like shit. Um, fuck, man. Because truly, like, at first I thought it was like, oh, man, my wife is just like gone for the weekend. And it's like, ha, husbands are so incompetent when they're left alone. But uh, no, it definitely was... Um, it shifted. Like, maybe don't watch this movie after you've recently had a bad breakup. Because uh, it'll probably give you some hella feels. Not like me. I'm a stoic, stalwart uh, podcast host venturing into the unknown waters of, of horror. For you, my sweet, sweet listeners, I'm not afraid of anything. Although I don't think I'd handle this situation the same as this man. Uh, oh, sorry, I do. I do think I would handle... Uh, literally, I think everything this man did, um, while his wife was gone, I probably would do, where he kind of just woke up, uh, cleaned up the fucking mess outside, went back inside, fucking made himself breakfast, and then just watched movies on his couch, waiting for the monster to show back up that night. Because the fuck else is he gonna do? Mope around about his missing wife, who's definitely left him? No, there's monsters to kill. The writing is stupidly good. It's the most authentic I've seen in a, not even just a horror movie, a movie in a long time. Uh, I wouldn't even be shocked if it was mostly just like, like if the whole script was just like, these are the beats of the conversation. Um, just improv everything. I mean, obviously there's still some, there's some written monologues towards the end, but most of this shit, man, they just, they just improved. Ugh, the music is great. All the actors are fucking fantastic. Um, the main character is also the director and the writer, so he really knows his stuff. Bria Grant is his wife. Uh, she was on Heroes. Um, and speaking of Heroes, Henry fucking Zabrowski is in this movie, and boy is he disgusting. Um, I mean, he gives. I mean, I love Henry Zabrowski. Henry Zabrowski, if, for people that don't know, is. Uh, one of the hosts of Last Podcast on the Left. It's a very great horror, macabre, true crime podcast. Um, but he's hilarious as well. Um, he's just, like, he plays this character so fucking well. Uh, he just, like, his character at the bar, he's, like, drinking overpour, like, as his drink. Um, there's, like, just these weird close-up shots on him for no reason, like, just eating peanuts. Uh, and his whole character is his attempt on a sudden accent. Uh, but man, all of his lines are just very him. They're all very hilarious and very improv. Uh, specifically one night after, uh, after my man shoots the monster, he calls his friend Buddy, or Bubba, who's Henry Zabrowski, over to his house to see the blood, and Henry looks at it and goes, Yep, that's a pool of blood. Classic Henry. So, this is, um... This, with some of the horror watered down, is straight up just, like, a, a romantic, not even a romantic comedy, it's just a, like a, like a, 
Man, it would just make a great play. Like, this would be such a great play. Like, there's just, there's a scene, there's literally a one-take scene with uh, the couple sitting in their doorway talking. Um, very end of last five years, or actually rather beginning of last five years, um, way. I guess for those people who don't know when I keep saying last five years, essentially last five years is a musical that happens, like, chronologically like forwards and backwards simultaneously it's about two people in a relationship and it goes from the beginning of the show the first song is when they have broken up and it's from the the woman's perspective and then there's the i I don't remember i need to have danny here for this he's the theater one but essentially it's songs like going back in time to the beginning of their relationship from different perspectives but i think One's going one way and the other one's going the other way. I don't remember. The point is, it's a very sad show, and it just is a very great example of like very real, like how a, how a relationship falls apart. Um, and similar to last five years, this is another fucking thing, and we talked about this on the show all the time. Where if man, if people were just honest with their partners, and they just like talked to them when it was like clearly something is wrong. What's going on, buddy? Uh, or I mean, if they just like talked about their issues they probably wouldn't be in this mess um but all those issues are irrelevant to this breakdown because this is a horror podcast and this movie is hardly a horror movie it's fucking very very good um and you should see it it's amazing uh god has there even anything else for me to say it's just so good so unexpected and wow just wow Wow, I think that was your biggest sell for a movie yet, like I hardcore. Uh, honestly, I, I cannot recommend After Midnight enough. It's perfect. Like, I was, I saw Last Podcast on the Left last weekend, and I was driving home, and I, like, slammed on my brakes, and I'm like, I forgot to ask Henry about After Midnight, because I wanted to know if <laughs> yeah. it was going to be, like, did they all just improvise shit, or did they all, like, write their own character's dialogue? Like, how, you know, because it was just so real and and raw and really gripping like it mm-hmm. it made me cry at least twice okay oh wow and it, it like it, it's oh man you can speak to the last five years a bit more yes so it does I... go forwards and backwards at the same time so yes the show begins with the girl kathy looking at their break at their breakup and then her going backwards through their relationship mm-hmm. And the man, Jamie, you see him start with the beginning of their relationship and go forwards through it. And the only time the two stories interconnect is at their wedding because, you know. That's sad. Symbolism. (laughs) It's really, yeah. Well, and this worked very similarly. Um, I'll get into it a little bit more here, but uh, it's this this main character – the first scene is the two of – it's when they first met. Like she – was vacationing from school in this little tiny town that he grew up in. Okay. Um, they fell in love over the summer, and then she stayed there and has kind of over time become to feel trapped just in their town. In the, yeah. Like, she in loves him, but, yeah, but he doesn't want to leave. He's like, well, I'm, I feel safe here. So this he's is... got his roots buried too deep. Exactly. And all of, like, the, the everything about his predicament with the monster and how he's handling it is all, like, the same shit that he, like, how he approaches this problem 
and like what it means to him mm-hmm. is the same thing as with his marriage. The one I will say, mm-hmm. just to tie it all together, the allegory of the monster. Because at first I felt like it was this kind of thing where, yeah, when your wife leaves and you're like, you know, everything falls to shit, like a Mr. Mom kind of thing where it's like mm-hmm. ugh, bumbling husband sort of shit. But then it's like every time it attacks his house, he goes and tells somebody and they don't believe him. Mm-hmm. Um and like they they mock him over it, and he's they're just like, man, are you okay? You know, since she like, like where is she? Like where's she going? She, they're like, did she leave you, or like that? And he's like, she didn't leave me. She's just gone, gone for. And she didn't say why. She left him a note, told him she loved him, and peaced out. And she was gone for like, I don't remember how long, like a, a bit of time, a while though. without any word. So he's you know, trying to balance that mm-hmm. and this monster that's now showing up and. She comes back later on because it's supposed to, I think, kind of insinuate that the monster has eaten her or something oh, okay. like that. Um, but there's a scene towards the end where it's her birthday and they have their friends come over and someone as a joke brings up this monster. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he goes into this whole thing about like, yeah, you know, um, that the the whole like the odds of like some alien creature from some like billionth possibility planet having a billionth possibility getting here and another billionth possibility landing specifically in my backyard mm-hmm. and tormenting me and that's about the same odds of you coming and loving me you coming in and choosing to stay with me someone who never should have been here in the first place who never should have stayed who never should have stayed with me after all of this time and all the bullshit i do you stayed and that's believing that this monster is real is all that he has to convince himself that odds can be in his favor as well i'm kind of butchering the whole thing but like that's the sort of thing where i talk about where like it just hits and you're like oh holy fuck it doesn't even matter like this is what this is about Mm -hmm. um so the couple's relationship is the focal point of this movie and it's worth watching for just that and it's last five years because it keeps jumping back to like when they were happy when they were together um while he's like what the fuck like you know all of these things like she specifically told him that he couldn't hang up like this buck that he had killed Mm -hmm. and she is when she's gone you notice that it's hanging up but you don't know the symbolism of it until like there's a flashback and it's like wow he hung it up like what does that mean like Mm -hmm. what you know so that sort of shit it's 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 so fucking good honestly i could go on about it but just watch it it's incredible um, again, Henry Zabrowski is in it. And it's very entertaining. <laughs> but, like, he's just, like, the sugar on top. Yeah. Like, I watched him, like, oh, cool, Henry's horror movie. And then I'm like, wait, this is amazing. Like, this movie is something very, very, very special. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Unlike the rest of them. That's not fair. Oof. The other ones are also very good. It was just this one. This one's really... the most, like, profound. Oh, yeah. experience you had with them uh, truly i mean the other ones i, I had we, we have what blood quantum blood after quantum this one and VFW. VFW. yes i loved both of those especially blood quantum but i loved them for different reasons mm-hmm. this is something that like as a person and as a man i really related to okay so like i said like everything this guy does would be shit i would do so i'm just like yeah this is about right for how i would handle this situation um, but yeah, it's, and the guy that, that wrote, directed and starred in it has done some other stuff too. And I want to start checking out his other work because okay, yeah. I mean, I'm 
he's he sold me on mm. one movie. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm I am down four more. Next is Blood Quantum. Buckle up. Yeah. Hello again, boys and girls. I'm here to talk about Blood Quantum. And if you didn't also just pull out a guitar out of the ether and just do a sweet lick up and down that fretboard, you should, because Blood Quantum fucking rules. It is a zombie movie. Now before, hold on, hold on, hey, hey, listen, sit down. Okay, dinner's already been paid for. Listen, let me just, give me a couple minutes to say that, okay? It's a zombies, but there's a number of twists. First and foremost, it's on a Native American reservation. A Native American reservation, sorry. Um, this movie is really cool for having a almost entirely indigenous person's cast, um... They talk about, like, real shit that happens on reservations, all the fucked up things that go on, uh, all the, you know, just the desolation that's there and all the bullshit that, you know, that has compounded over just centuries of being treated subhumanly. Um, and then now they gotta deal with zombies, so that's gotta be fucked. But, you may be thinking, dear God, will the atrocities against the Native Americans never cease? Uh, hopefully, yes, they will one day cease, but um, in this movie's world, they cease at uh, the virus level. You see, actual-blooded indigenous persons, at least 99% of them, uh, are immune to the zombie virus. So it's basically reservations versus the zombie apocalypse fucking very very cool concepts I mean especially with zombies we've seen them 10 million different ways to Sunday this has a lot of interesting additions to zombie stories uh, namely the fact that people are immune to it um, I know that's not completely new but it's it brings a lot of interesting dynamics like uh, you know, how are they going to let on, are they going to let people onto their land to, uh, to, you know, to weather the storm? Are they going to let in outsiders? How are they going to let in survivors? All that type of stuff. And it's actually super interesting because it's all, like, coyly, like, opposite of, like, how history has been to Native Americans. Like, there's literally, so, like, their big thing is after the zombie apocalypse happens, it's been six months, it's a time jump, so it's how they're living with surviving, how they're dealing with uh, each other over the course of uh, people's relationships before and during the apocalypse. Um, you know, because it's a zombie movie, you gotta have a pregnant woman, you gotta have someone who hates taking in outsiders, but in this sense, they make it more specific to the story so the woman that is giving birth is afraid of giving birth because her the father of her son is uh indigenous and she is white so she's like i can get bit and this baby might get be born infected and i you know i don't want to give birth to something that's just gonna rip its way out of my uterus that's fucking horrible i don't even really want to imagine that i birth in itself is very scary to me i yeah so uh Oh, speaking of which, um, if you really don't want to watch a zombie eat a baby, 
don't watch this movie. I mean, it's not like it's fucking extremely graphic, but, you know, it straight up does eat a baby. Uh, someone walks in on a zombie eating an infant, and it's gross. But, you know, such is life in the apocalypse. I want to talk a little bit more about the Native American uh, characters, because uh, the, the, there's only one quote-unquote like white character, and it's the pregnant woman, but the rest of them are all indigenous. Um, and they're all just fucking cool. Like, even the people that are, like, you're not supposed to like, or the people that, you know, are a little bit more hesitant to, like, succumb to the metal wasteland that is the apocalypse. Like, all of them have, like, bitchin', like, post-apocalyptic melee weapons that they made out of... Like, it's very similar to, like, Native Americans making tomahawks out of the land that they live off of. In this sense, they're making all these badass melee weapons off of, like, car parts and metal and fishing equipment. All of these things that are, like, quote-unquote native to the reservation, um, which is pointedly not their original land. Uh, there's also <laughs> this soul scene where they... So they're bringing in all of these outsiders, you know... Some people don't like it, but other people's you know, obviously you gotta you gotta help out some people. It's a zombie apocalypse. Um, but there's a guy that brings in his like you know, it's the other zombie trope. He brings in his daughter, she's like, No no, she's fine, she's fine, she's like totally fucking bitten. And they catch it immediately and they just shoot her and they're like, You can't come in without her uh, like with her like that, you know, you can come in if you still want to, and you know, he's freaking out, you know, and then he takes her, like, bloody-ass blanket that he was covered in, and the first thing that he does is, like, hide it to, like, carry it inside, and one of the guards is like, you can't bring that in here, and burns it, and I'm like, did a Native American just burn a plague blanket that a white person brought them? That's so fucking funny. <laughs> it's also just so ironic that, you know, how Native Americans died in the, for the most part in the, in the early days was just, like, genocidal smallpox outbreaks and, like, all of these diseases that just, like, wiped them almost completely off the face of the planet. And now this time it's, like, they're immune and, like, all the white people are dead. There's even a point where one of the older, like, wizened men was, like... You know, Mother Nature finally found a use for all these stupid-ass white men. Fertilizer. I'm like, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> uh, there's just so many limitless possibilities to being immune to zombies. Like, they're still afraid of them, obviously, because if there's like 30 of them, they'll rip you apart and eat you alive. You're dead. You can't live without your organs inside of you. But like, if you get bitten a couple of times, like, you're fine. The chief, who's, like, one of the main characters we follow, is one of, like, the surrogate leaders of uh, the reservation's stronghold, uh, has this thing where he takes off his shirt, and he's been bitten, like, a thousand times. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. This guy's a pretty badass guy. Um, one more character I want to talk about. Or actually, t two more. Um, one of them is uh, the chief's father, who... Uh, God, he's he's basically like a Native American samurai. Like, he's just so itching to kill zombies. He thinks, like, guns are, like, not fair. He's like, nah, nah, man, you gotta, like, get in close and personal. He carries a fucking katana, and he just loves killing zombies, and he's so good at it. It's so much fun to just watch him walk around and just be, like, 
cracking jokes while he's killing Zod. Like, he cut one in half with a chainsaw and fell out of a window in front of his son, the chief. And the chief, like, freaked out and stabbed it. And he's like, Dad, why don't you give me some kind of, like, you know, warning? And his dad pokes his head out, like, with the other half of the body and just tosses the bottom half down and just, look out. Love that type of shit. This movie's full of that. Um... There's also another very interesting character who goes by the name of Lysol. Uh, it's not his real name, obviously, but uh, he's the uh, the prototypical character that's put into a lot of uh, not prototypical. He's a he's a very damaged man. Uh, you know, in zombie apocalypses, you hate you gotta have a hot head because you gotta stir up the group dynamic. You gotta you know, it's the weak link that gets the the infection in. But in this case, he's not a weak link because he's an asshole. I mean, he is. But he's an asshole because, you know, there's a rampant huge problem with drug abuse and, like, absentee fathers and domestic problems and alcoholism and all these other fucking horrible problems plaguing reservations. And poor, poor Lysol just hates everyone so much that he's willing to just... He just doesn't give a shit about anybody. Uh, and that's a very dangerous type of individual. I mean, normally when we have people blowing it in zombie movies, they're blowing it because they think what they're doing is, like, right, or they're just making a bad call. But, uh, Lysol just hates everybody and is very self-destructive. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Last thing I'll talk about is the first scene. It's one of my favorite things. Like, it's almost like the tell of a good zombie movie for me at this point. If the first scene or a scene before, like, zombies actually show up, they show animals succumbing to the virus first. Because it's not only a good way of showing, like, okay, here's, like, very small, creepy ways that, you know, the, the, the virus is already there. But it also, as we all know from living in current day, shows that, like... All it takes is for a virus to jump species, and then the whole planet gets fucked up. In this case, um, Samurai Jack is uh, cutting. He's gutting fish that he's fished, and after he rips out all their guts and puts it in a bucket, and he's ready to just put them away, they all start flopping again like they're alive. And he's like, oh, I see. Guess it's time for me to get my sword Oh god, I love that. Train to Busan has a tra- has a has a scene just like that where some guy hits a deer, and he's like, "Fuck it," and it just keeps going. And then the deer gets up and like clearly is a zombie, and you're like, "Oh, gross!" And then you know, hundreds of thousands of people die. Um, man, that's all I have. See this movie; it's so good. Like as zombie movies go, it's a very good one. It's also very interesting because normally I don't get to see a lot of movies or shows that focus on indigenous people. Um, and appears to be made by indigenous people as well. Uh, so, like, it, the writing process and the directing process, all of it was very focused on the culture and how the culture, you know, has shifted, the problems that in, like, the outside world, how that affects the reservation and vice versa, how people on the reservation view people in the outside world, and how if all the people in the outside world were zombies would shift that. Watch Blood Quantum, if for nothing else, just so you can say that you've seen the movie Blood Quantum, because Blood Quantum, I'm saying it for like the seventh time, Blood Quantum is a fucking amazing name to name your movie. I truly have no idea how the title even carried over into the movie. It's just awesome. Alright. Blood Quantum. 
You really like the name. I mean, I like it's the name. It's so bad. Like, the name is it, what intrigued me at first. I mean, any like that's why I put it on my list, too. Uh, well, like, I had I had heard what it was about, but then, yeah, like, any time I would, it would show up on show, I'm just like, Blood Quantum! And it was just... <laughs> it would just mock me with how awesome it was. But seriously, one of the better zombie movies I've seen in, in recent years. Well, yeah, and I can... I know, because we've had conversations about this, I know you're getting real serious about your zombie movies when you bring up Train to Busan. Dude, yeah, that's like, the that's, standard. Yeah, that that's our bar everything. we measure everything with. I mean, that's the, yeah, zombie movies, emotional aspects and horror. Like, I honestly, ever since Korea's been churning out the fucking horror thriller yeah. factory, they've really been like, step up your game, the rest of the world. Um. This one, though, felt very much in that style where it was very uniquely American because, you know, Native Americans, indigenous peoples and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But also because it it brought up all of these big cultural dynamics between white people and Native Americans. Mm-hmm. And literally because on a, on a cellular level, because they're different. Um, in this case, it was the theory that, like, nature had, like, made this virus to, like, give the land back to the people like mm-hmm. the native americans um but it was also just a really cool way to see that like despite you know the tribe's best efforts they still can be undone through weak spots that they don't look at you know mm-hmm. like people like lysol who just they he straight up like lets zombies into their stronghold just to fuck with people like there's no reason for he just hates everybody mm-hmm. and he's so self-destructive that he'll kill his own tribe just to get at the white people they brought in like gotcha. he it, it was very intense as a zombie movie too so mm-hmm. like i will say that it's it is quite gory um there is a yeah. baby getting eaten by a zombie <laughs> at, compared to after midnight this is very much a horror movie no this is extremely a horror movie uh, I mean, After Midnight was just the exception to the rule because it was on Shutter, so I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. what's all this about? I see we're, it's gonna, fair we're game. still talking about After Midnight. It's that good. <laughs> but seriously, like, man, what's like zombie? Like, what's what, what's the tell of something really good zombies to you? Because I know I always for me it's Train to Busan and just you know whatnot. But like, what about you? I was like, in terms of like my like ideals out of a. Zombie movie. I also use Train to Busan as my, like, gold standard because that was the first one since I was, like, a little kid that a zombie movie had actually been able to, like, scare me. Yeah. And it's not just from, like, booga-hooga kind of scare. It's from the impending (laughs) fear of everything around you going away. Yeah. Uh, it It does have that little bit of, like, this is life now. And everything we know is is fucked. Exactly. Uh, and this one does it very well because it has that time jump. So they're like, it's not a momentary outbreak like this a is like like cooties. Period. Like that could have been like a couple of days, a lot of bad shit that they solved. Mm-hmm. This is something very very different. It's a world ending or at least paradigm shifting virus. Yeah. Um, with a lot of humanity gone. Mm-hmm. Um. Seriously, though, I, I really hope other people found the plague blanket thing as funny as I did. Because <laughs> this whole movie just reeks of irony. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, the most secret, like, I'm watching, like, they just tried to sneak plague blankets into a Native American reservation, and they burned them. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, just from a, a historical, cultural, like, I don't know. 
It just kind of, it was darkly. A history callback, even. Like, it, it was a history joke. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Um, yeah. What's next? So to round us out with our fifth and final movie of the day. Oh, yes. Is VFW. VFW. www.vfw.com. You ever feel old? I feel old. Just turned 23. That's not old. It's not old by a long shot. But I felt old. And uh, in my feeling oldness, I decided to watch VFW. Which is another Shudder original. And I think it's been... It's it's definitely one of my favorites, if not my favorite, that that I've watched so far. This one's... uh, it's just fun. It's a lot of fun, and it's got a lot of heart, man. And everyone in it rules. So, picture this, all right? You want to make a movie that has all of your favorite old man actors killing zombies. But Shudder's like, hey, buddy, we're sorry, but um, the first part of your request ate up most of our budget. So we don't have the budget to make zombies. So you think to yourself, the writer of this movie, idea that you have, um, how can I make disposable meat puppets that the old man from Don't Breathe, the Grim Reaper from Bill and Ted... Norm from Cheers, and uh, Crease uh, from Cobra Kai. How can I get? How can I get them to just kill people without them being zombies? Then you create hype, the drug. Uh, it's there's a drug in this movie called hype that uh, turns people into like crazies level maniacal junkie people that are that you know just mindless zombie like thugs are just perfect meat suits to like kill you know so vfw is about these uh group of gentlemen older men geriatrics who are uh veterans of foreign wars and uh you know they hang out at their vfw hall their bar you got uh, you got the main man Fred, who's the staff sergeant of this particular group of buddies who were all in Nam together. Uh, as I said before, Stephen Lang. He's uh, been in a bunch, but uh, he's the old man from Don't Breathe, so you know he can kick a lot of ass. And he's got some of his buddies, uh, as I said, fell along the uh, the the gambit of of interesting men that you would probably know from various movies and shows from your childhood. Uh, I know all of them through various means, but since this is not a normal episode, I'm not going to burden you with the breakdown. What you do need to know is that those men uh, who were, like, trained, you know, and soldiers, you know, they didn't lose any of that training. And, uh, <clears throat> when they're, you know, kind of closing down the bar for, uh, Fred's birthday, you know, they're ready to go take him out, all these, you know, guys are together, 
And then a, a young vet comes in, you know, just off of Iraq. This guy, you know, a ranger, you know. So I'm immediately like, oh, fuck yeah, this guy knows how to kill. <laughs> so all these men start having a drink, kind of just relaxing. They're, you know. Then the shit hits the fan, you know. Across the street in a uh, abandoned movie theater, a uh, local drug dealer uh, peddling hype has uh, his army of um, junkies kind of just hanging out. And uh, his stash is stolen. You know, all the re- all the hype he's got, all the hype he's got, is gone. <laughs> he's out of hype, and this girl takes a whole the whole bag full of hype, and she takes it across the street where it fucking belongs, because these men are, you know, they're they they need some hype clearly. You know, so she steals it, she takes refuge in this bar, you know, army of junkies, you know, the only thing standing between them and and the sweet release of substance misuse is uh, these fine uh, former, former soldiers. And man, there's so many great deaths in this movie, so many good deaths, and so much like genuine writing and heart between all these guys, um... They're all written very, very well. Uh, the um, the kills obviously are quite excellent. There's um, a lot of melee combat. Um, if you just look up the poster, you know not only are you gonna see all the old guys that are in it, but uh, you know some of the some of the brutal weaponry that they'd employ. Um, there are. I wouldn't say, like, it's not gory. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a little bloody, but, you know, it's nothing that, uh, any, you know, any sort of person growing, you know, like, living in modern times hasn't seen in various media. Um, I'd say the big draw of this movie, hands down, uh, are these guys, these main dudes. Um... Just their chemistry is great. And again, like, you probably know one or most of these guys anyway. So, you know, watching, you know, you're, you know these guys just seem like they've actually known each other their whole life. And I guess they shot this in, like, a real VFW hall. And, like, towards the beginning when there's, like, actually guys hanging out in the bar. Like, those are all real vets. Like, those are all, like, guys that, you know, actually hang out there. So, no, it feels very authentic. It feels very 80s because, like, it's in, like, it's in this, like, alternate future sort of where, like, you know, hype, this drug has, like, sweep, like swept the streets and, like, there's all these people, like, these punks. Like, they're, they're, they're dressed like, you know, like the warriors. They're dressed like drug, you know, like, they're dressed like drug addicts and criminals from the 80s. Like, it's kind of hilarious. And, like, the score is all synth. Uh... And just like the the vibe, it's, it feels very much like RoboCop Detroit, where it's just like only criminals, <laughs> and then like a handful of normal people just trying to make a way, make their way in the in the world. It's very good. Uh, let me see if this director has done anything like that before, because this is a Shutter original. It looks like the only other things he's done is um, Almost Human. 
and a movie called Bliss, which I believe is another Shudder original that I will most likely check out probably very soon afterwards. This one also seems to be about drugs. I guess maybe this guy's big deal is drugs. Uh, ooh, but the uh, the main character in that movie is a uh, woman named Dora Madison. She is one of the antagonists in VFW. It also stars a guy named Jeremy Gardner, who I, if you've listened to my almost, not almost main, I fucking did it again. Um, after Midnight uh, episode, he's the main character and the writer slash director. It also, also stars George Wentz. Again, he was just in this movie, he's Nor from Cheers, and this guy named Ra- uh, Rise, Rise, Reese, Reese Wakefield. He's the main guy, and he's the main like bad guy in the Purge. Like he's the the handsome dude in the in the mask. I always like seeing him pop up places because I just like I know him immediately. I'm like, oh yeah, you're guy from the Purge. You're like the embodiment of like the privilege and evil social class stuff from that movie. And you're probably just a normal-ass guy. Alright. I've talked for, like, at least three minutes about not this movie. So I'll wrap it up. Watch VFW. It fucking rules. So how'd you like the geriatric so, actors? I, yeah, I love, I love the geriatric. I really, I really want to see the guy from Don't Breathe in More Things. Seriously, check this one out. Yeah. He does. A, he's he's very very good in this. Um, and also because you watch Cobra Kai, there's a lot yeah, of crease in it. He's actually he's like this like kind of he's like the one that made all the money. So like there's a point where he goes across the street to try to like bargain with the drug lord, and he's like, "How much is this gonna take?" I'm like, "Sweep the leg." <laughs> I'm literally like, "Go and fight him." Um, so yeah, it the drug is called hype. It's very it's full like. I the really full of hype, one might say. Yeah, but, but the movie doesn't joke about that at all. Like they miss the golden opportunity to just joke about like where'd all my hype go? No, they're like, I need my stash back. And I'm like, You need you need, you need your hype back? <laughs> How the Jerry actors got their hype back. <laughs> um I'm to no, the last couple of minutes where I talk about that movie Bliss by the same director, I actually did watch it after this one, and just like Blood Vessel, I ended up not, like, it was fine, and I, it was truly good. I just didn't feel like there was enough for me to talk about, especially because that one also has a lot of drug, like, themes in it, like, drug use themes, and I feel like all of that I already talked about on this one, and I'm like, it would just be like, hey, here are these actors, but I did that in this anyway. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, that, take that as the two-for-one of, of Bliss and VFW. Um, Danny, if you had to write a horror movie and you were, like, someone you've always wanted to, like, work with or cast in something or that you've always loved since a child, like, actor-wise, who would you, like, put in? Like, no holds bar, anybody. Anybody. Yeah, like, even if, if you make this in, like, 20 years, like, then, then. Like, even if they're super popular now, like, 20 years from now, they'll be older. If I could choose just an actor, I'd really want to... J.K. Simmons. Okay. Throw him in a, like, really character drama-based horror movie. He would I do it, he'd too. Kill it. He would do it, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought you were going to say Sterling K. Brown. <laughs> no. I thought about it, but I said no. <laughs> I feel like just hearing those two, I think it would be just my pitch for it is, like, <clears throat> they're two members, like, old men. Living in, like, a picturesque suburban, like, 
street, mm-hmm. like a you know typical suburbia type thing, and they're both like super anal retentive about like being in control of like the HOA, but they're like running for the head of the board like against each other, but like no one else really cares. But they're so caught up in like fucking over the other person that they don't realize like. I don't know, some, some horrible shit, shit is happening in the neighborhood, like robots or zombies, some, some like some, weird, yeah, yeah, like kind of like the burbs, mm-hmm. like there's just weird shit happening, and they're like, yeah, but this is the big thing, like they don't even really notice like what's happening, and it's just old J.K. Simmons and old Sterling K. Brown just yelling at each other while their town falls apart. Yeah, <laughs> That'd be my pitch for it. I've always wanted to work with Colin Farrell ever since yeah. I was a kid. I thought that'd be really cool. Um, but yeah, J.K. Simmons is absolutely the better choice. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's the, the five movies I felt uh, were... Little Shutter series. Yeah. Um, I might come back to this as a series. I hope it, you do. It was really fun to do. Uh, we had a blast listening to these. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, what, what, which, eh, which is your favorite one that I talked about? Which one have I sold the best to you? Um... Honestly, I think probably the one you sold the best to me is After Midnight. I'm just so intrigued by that. Yeah. But it's got to be closely followed by VFW because I'm also just so excited to see that movie. And it's a lot of hype, man. Yeah, it's... The hype is built. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) It really is the best joke that didn't happen in that movie. Yeah. (laughs) I would have to agree that... um, but the exception of, of Anun's Curse, because Danny Maffei, again, is gold. Uh, but that's a shorter one. But uh, After Midnight, truly, truly, for everybody listening, I think that that hits perfectly in that, um, like, at the target demographic of it's horror, it's entry-level horror, and it's still mostly character-driven. There's people you know in it, and the message is not something that is, like, earth-shatteringly sad. Okay. It has sad moments, but like you know me, I cry over things that are not sad, but like it's good. Mm-hmm. That's, that's when I. That's when it was. Okay. So, all in all, that's my. That's the S tier one. Um, Blood Quantum is after that because it. Man, it's so good. <laughs> Blood Quantum rules. Um, probably this one and uh, Saint Maud and Anun's Curse, just because Anun's Curse was the shortest and clearly the most like. Sci-fi. I wouldn't even say sci-fi original. It's just of this very specific quality of movies that were like, you've seen The Nun, you probably will buy this by mistake. Yeah, like, like that sort of thing. Made straight to DVD kind exactly, of exactly. Like the um, what do they call those like ripoff Conjuring movies? It's like oh, it's something super close. These like the same yeah. fonts. It they make you look like it's kind of the same, but you're like, no, it's very different. Mm-hmm. Um, we will get back to. Our, uh, I guess this is growing up series With soon. Children of the Corn next week. Oh yeah, better. <laughs> what you don't like, Children of the Corn, Tori? <laughs> then I guess we have our work cut out for us, Danny. Yes. So follow our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can reach us at squarehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. Again, if any of you have any suggestions or feedback anyone wants to give us, uh, if you liked any of these movies, if we, if I pitched any of these movies so well that anyone watched them, let me know how they, uh, how they felt. Or if you've seen these movies and want to talk about them, I have seen them and have been dying to talk about them for months. Um, again, especially after midnight. Yes. Um, but, but with that, that 
Uh, Until next time, stay spooky out there. Get hyped!